0: Welcome to the Virginia Economic Review Podcast. This is Stephen Moray, President and CEO of the Virginia Economic Development Partnership, or VDP. Today, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to speak with John Kepler, Chairman and CEO of Enviva, the world's largest producer of woody biomass fuels and one of Virginia's largest exporters. John, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, well, Stephen, it's so great to be here. I have to start our conversation by just saying a, a really big, warm thank you to everything that you and the VEDP team do for Virginia. Uh, as we'll share today, we as InViva wouldn't be the company we are without the support of Virginia. So I'm delighted to share our experiences and talk about what we think makes the Commonwealth just so great.
0: Well, why don't we start kind of at the beginning? Can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of Inviva and how you initially got into the bioenergy field?
1: The origin story for Inviva, through one lens, is a bit of a cliche. The founders of this company, myself and a couple of other folks, actually met at the University of Virginia, Darden Graduate School of Business, and we got to know each other pretty well and had really a shared view of some really important things that we thought could be game changers over the long term in what was a really really difficult question that is is solving the complex equation of energy and the environment we had the opportunity to to spend time together at business school getting to know each other really understanding each other's values and how one might approach tackling a problem like this and although we didn't start the company right out of of business school we ultimately having having spent a couple of years after after b school and some different industries you know quite quite literally put the band back together and started what would be the predecessor company to Like many startups, we did a lot of different things, targeting things that we thought we would be good at and ultimately converge around a few things that actually we turned out to be good at. And what that was, was really helping large scale energy, principally coal fired energy producers, displace coal with a produced biomass fuel. So what we were able to do is actually manufacture a product that was a direct drop in substitute for coal. At the time that our company really began to take off, it coincided with a lot of things around the world that were providing some very significant tailwinds that were helping utilities and power generators change that equation between the way that they had produced energy and the way that they wanted to do so in the future with a dramatic reduction to life cycle greenhouse gas emissions.
0: Why did Enviva originally choose Virginia Chesapeake specifically as a shipping location for your products?
1: We have to start with the reality that the climate change is a global problem, and that means that you need global solutions as part of an all-in approach to solving this problem. And so for us, not only did we have roots in Virginia, and and so you sort of naturally go back to, if you're going to seed the growth of your business, where are you likely to do so, where there are people and resources that will help you be potentially most successful as a startup. And for us, that was Virginia, and certainly the tremendous terminal access and port access that the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay provides, right? The Norfolk, Hampton Roads, Newport News, and actually where our first large-scale terminal exists, which straddles both Portsmouth and <laughs> Chesapeake. So we claim a little bit of both. We, we were able to invest very intensely in Virginia for a couple of different reasons. First is that Virginia has been a very supportive state for business and industry. What, frankly, frankly welcoming encouraging investment in infrastructure, in large-scale industrial activity that provides for the ability to grow a very skilled labor force, right? And so, so the combination of the interest in attracting industries like ours, the skilled workforce, as well as The tremendous natural resources that Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic have for what is our raw material, that healthy, growing forest resource. And so the ability for us to access that raw material in a place where we could logistically get to a terminal, then own and control and export around the world. It was a match made in heaven. And that's really where we anchored our business.
0: Well, and we're all so thrilled that you're here and just thrilled for the growing presence of the company and the impact that you're having in so many markets. Talk a little bit about some of the biggest markets for your wood pellets and what is it that really drives demand in those markets?
1: The key driver of demand is really the macro theme around the world that we are underway with a very significant transition from an economy that had been based historically on fossil fuels and hydrocarbons into a transition away from fossil fuels and in favor of renewables and alternatives. So this this massive energy transition, decarbonization to address climate change, to mitigate the effects of climate change. And so what what has happened around the world and the United States most recently with President Biden in his his first 100 days, re-entering into the, the Paris Climate Change Agreement really brings the U.S. back on par with the worldwide effort to change outcomes and change the way that energy is produced. This is a global problem. Virginia is a key part of that solution. The policymaking mechanisms that are creating incentives for large-scale coal-fired power generators to convert away from coal in favor of renewable resources. And that's exactly where we come in. And so whether it's the United Kingdom that's been a leader in decarbonization to all across continental Europe, so Denmark, the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany recently passed its coal exit law. Poland is looking at massive decarbonization. Poland is the largest per capita user of coal in in the European continent. About 50% of our volumes go into Japan. About 50% of our production goes to Europe. Japan, of course, is solving the same climate change objectives, but with an additional challenge, which is that they continue to be short of generating capacity in the wake of the Fukushima nuclear disaster. And with that, the opportunity for the utilities there to build new biomass fired power stations has created a very large market growth opportunity for us.
0: We talk a lot about exports and trade at VDP. We've been really fortunate to have one of the best teams, one of the best trade development teams of any state in the country, if not the best. We talk about the benefits for wages, for economic growth, for competitiveness. W- what is exporting meant for your company and your growth for Enviva?
1: We would not be the export business that we are today without the leadership of the Virginia team, you know, across across multiple gubernatorial administrations. What we have seen is the support of Virginia legislators, of Virginia executive leadership, doing trade missions, the physically going into the markets and talking to policymakers about the decisions that they are making and reinforcing it with the value and the opportunity that Virginia could bring to those jurisdictions around the world. Secretary Ring, obviously, not just State forester but leader in natural resources, she's been a remarkable ally in educating folks around the world about how Virginia landowners grow trees and why that private land ownership base in and across Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic is so important to helping solve the world's problems that the markets for these forest products create more forest products, right? They create more people that want to grow trees. And so that's why you've seen forest growth across the state of Virginia. That's why you've seen continued investment in timber land holdings, which has this incredibly positive impact. More trees sequester more carbon, and then there are more markets for these products. It's a very, very positive cycle. And Virginia has done it some of the best across the entire Southeast U.S.
0: This issue of our magazine, Virginia Economic Review, is all about international trade. As a major exporter from the U.S., what are the highest priority trade issues that concern you at Indiva?
1: As one of the large exporters in Virginia, you know we we made a very important decision to invest a, a large amount of capital in the physical infrastructure to maintain consistent, rateable delivery of our products to our customers around the world because our customers enter into very long-term obligations with us. Month in, month out, we're sending vessels around the world that our customers are using for their own base load and dispatchable power generation. Maintaining that free flow of trade, maintaining really open borders and a consistency of the flow of products that are so essential to helping countries around the world meet their decarbonization goals has been very, very important. And and we have been quite fortunate, obviously, with the interest and the focus of Virginia on being an export economy, particularly around natural resources. We've benefited tremendously. The level of investment that Virginia has and continues to make in ports like Norfolk and Portsmouth and Chesapeake, really remarkable. It means that we can ensure that we have uninterrupted access to a global distribution of our product. Their support, both with the federal government and trade missions overseas, has really continued to reinforce that. And so we're very, very privileged to be a part of that in the state of Virginia.
0: This is obviously a challenging time for company leaders across the spectrum in the COVID-19 pandemic. What kind of impact did that have on you all and on the energy industry more broadly?
1: From InViva's perspective, I have to be quite humble in remarking that we were incredibly fortunate. Governor Northam, his administration, similar uh, across the Southeast U.S. and the DHS and directives, classifying our industry as critical infrastructure enabled us to keep our plants running, our ports humming. We didn't miss a single delivery to any one of our customers. Our supply chain kept running. And, and we grew. We, you know, we, we grew pretty significantly across the full year of 2020 and into 2021. That doesn't mean that we've been immune from COVID by any means and, and the focus on the health and safety of, of our employees, of our partners, of, of our communities, really, really important. And we changed the way we did business to ensure that continuity and that safety. But we were very fortunate to be largely insulated from the economic effects of that. Some of that is because our customers are, of course, long-term customers with very specific obligations. But just as importantly, they themselves are critical infrastructure in their own countries, right? These are the world's largest power and heat generators that we're keeping lights on in hospitals, heat throughout the cities of places like Copenhagen and elsewhere. You weren't just doing a good thing and keeping the business running. You're actually doing a really good thing and keeping hospitals running and helping countries and people around the world navigate through something our generation certainly has never seen and hopefully we, we, we never see again.
0: What do you see, John, as the next sort of big innovation that could transform the way the energy industry operates?
1: I think it's driven a bit by the, the policy question you also asked, which is that the, the world continues to increase its focus on greenhouse gas emissions reduction. And so we've moved from, and the EU is a great example. So the EU set its you know, sort of 2020 goals in its Renewable Energy Directive 1, which was you know, 20% renewable energy by 2020, and then 30% by, by 2030. Now, I think people have concluded that it's not just about reduction, it's about getting to what really net zero is with net zero to get there, that actual industrial activity and the lives of humans on this planet do create emissions. If you are always going to have some emissions profile to get to net zero, you have to inherently get to a negative emissions profile somewhere else. But the negative emissions approach, this is what's so exciting, is that what our customers around the world are beginning to do is not only generate biomass energy, but they're putting carbon capture and sequestration on the backside of this, which means you're taking essentially a renewable fuel and you're sequestering carbon while generating the benefit of principally powered heat. And so this concept called BECCS, Biomass Energy with Carbon Capture and Sequestration, is one of the few technologies available today at scale that can create negative emissions. That's really, really exciting. If we go back to where we started, you know, we're making a drop-in substitute for coal. Well, well coal is used in a lot of different things besides just power generation. It's part of steel making operation. Uh, it helps fire aluminum smelters. It's part of the cement process. And those hydrocarbons that are embedded in softwoods, like you might remember, as well as as well as hardwoods, those can be reconstituted to do all sorts of really, really interesting things. So there's a whole chemical stream that is likely to emerge as part of this. There's this displacement of carbon in the very hard to decarbonize industrial sector. So you've got steel, cement, chemicals coming right on the backs of very significant transition in the overall energy sector. And and we're excited to be a supply chain partner for that as it continues to emerge around the world.
0: John, you all also manufacture in Virginia, Southampton County, if I'm not mistaken. What does the Commonwealth have to offer companies like yours that are involved in the wood products industry as well as others that are exporting from the United States?
1: Well, you guys have been fantastic, not only in assisting and if you go way, way back, assisting in site selection, you helped us with understanding what the best logistics were and you introduced us to key partners as part of that. The development cycle for building new businesses is hard on its own, and we would not have been able to build a terminal like we did in Chesapeake without the help of Virginia. And we would not have been able to build a plant like we have in Southampton, and again recently expanded that plant, without the consistent support of folks in Virginia. And, And again, it's one that is focused on not just the business and the jobs that we create, but really ensuring that we have an environmental profile that is very, very appropriate and consistent. In fact, the plant in Southampton, Virginia is the most controlled plant in the world from a woods products industry perspective. And so the air emissions profile, the community impact, the jobs that we help put in place, we're really excited. And that could not happen without the folks working both at, frankly, the state level, but also at every one of the county and local jurisdictional levels. And there are sites that are going to be great sites and there are sites that are going to be not great sites for all sorts of different reasons. And the thoughtful engagement of folks across the Commonwealth helped us pick the best ones and ones that we're we're really, really proud of. Our annual economic impact just in Virginia from that plant is about $300 million. Total job contributions, about 400 jobs, direct and indirect. And we pay wages that are 30 to 40% higher than the local average. So we're excited to be an employer in Virginia. Our plants are are all contracted on a very, very long-term basis. So these are assets that are going to be there, employing people for a long period of time, and buying residual and low-value wood from thousands of Virginia landowners for, for many years to come.
0: It's a wonderful story, and I think all of us at VDP who've been aware of it are very proud of just to have been a part of Nviva's success story in the Commonwealth, along with so many others at the local and state levels that have supported your growth. I want to shift a little bit and just kind of ask you a personal question as as we wrap up. I know you're not from Virginia, but I do know that you got an MBA from the Darden School at UVA, which is one of our great universities in the Commonwealth, as you know. Curious about what are your favorite places in Virginia to visit?
1: Charlottesville is an incredibly special place. Truth be told, the place I wanted to go to college was Mr. Jefferson's university too. But, uh, but although it was my first choice, I don't think I was their first choice. (laughs) So, so when business school came around, I had the chance to get down to Charlottesville and interview at UVA and Darden school. And I feel incredibly fortunate to have had that time there. So Charlottesville, is absolutely one of my favorite places in the entire world the other place in virginia I, I would tell you is is one of my favorite places is if you stand out at the end of, of our pier at our terminal in chesapeake you can look back and I, I find a lot of personal reflection about what we have helped build and how we have helped unlock the opportunity around the world to change that difficult equation of energy in the environment to the benefit of virginia and its landowners and all the folks that we work at in virginia and so standing out there you kind of see the connection of how it all comes together. And that's a pretty special spot too.
0: John, thank you, not just for joining us today, but thanks so much for everything that your leadership and your company has done to advance economic development in multiple parts of Virginia to help advance exports and our trade development activities. You're definitely one of the great success stories that we're proud to be associated with. Appreciate you being on today and hope we'll be able to stay in close touch in the future as well.
1: We well, can count on that. And nice. I so much appreciate being invited. Thank you guys so much. This podcast has been brought to you by the Virginia Economic Development Partnership. Thanks for listening.